Love bombing. Yep. Manipulation. Check. Gaslighting. Uh-huh. Wow. I guess we really weren't the only ones. You got that right. Welcome to The X-Files, a new spinoff of Ex-Wives Undercover. Now we're sharing your stories of love gone wrong. Sometimes we laugh. Sometimes we cry. But more importantly, we stand stand together. Please be aware that this podcast is for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back. I'm Amber. And I'm Athena. Previously on The X-Files. In the last episode, Ted gets out of prison and he and Anna were finally free to begin their lives together. Needless to say, things got off to a rocky start when Ted opened a consignment store and began flirting with all the women who would come in. And just when they were supposed to get a place together, Ted breaks up with Anna over email. Gone but not forgotten, he, of course, reappears and they briefly got back together only for him to break up with her again. So what does she do? She begins dating one of Ted's friends from prison. In this episode, we are in year three of Anna's relationship with Ted. And also, just a quick note, we did find Ted's ex-wife's blog that was mentioned in the last episode, but unfortunately, it didn't have a lot of insight into her side of the story other than this excerpt. It reads... I thought our marriage was strong, and while he was pretty up and down emotionally during his time in prison, I was determined to not become a statistic and let our lives crumble. But after he was released and we were trying to rebuild our lives where his family lives, he told me he had been talking to a woman from high school the whole time he was in prison. After overcoming life with the FBI, courts, and prison systems, forgiving him for that and fixing our marriage seemed pretty easy in my mind. But... As I learned the hard way, you cannot control the decisions of others, and we ended up divorcing. Per Anna's request, we will not be reaching out to her for a statement regarding Ted. She has moved on and is happy and healthy, and we can confirm is doing very well. She even remarried recently. All right, girl. You ready to do this? Let's do it. Season 5, Episode 4, Cracks in the Facade. Approximately one week after Anna and Ted's second breakup, Anna is ready to clear out any and all belongings of Ted's from her life for good. This included a sale banner for Ted's store that he had previously left in her possession. Anna made her way into the furniture store and explains that she is Ted's girlfriend, well, now very recent ex-girlfriend, and that she was just there to drop off this banner for the store that Ted had left in the trunk of her car. The woman at the front counter looked at her in absolute confusion. This is when she says, his girlfriend? You were his girlfriend? Then she proceeds to blow Anna's world apart. I was mad. And, you know, again, I was like cleaning up stuff, trying to get it all out of my house and get, get rid of it all. And so I found some, I found a couple of things. I found some paperwork that I thought might be really important that I had that he needed. And then I found, um, I found like a sign or something from his shop that had been expensive. And so, you know, I was like, I need to take this back to you. The first thing I did was take the paperwork to his house. And then I'm at his house and look in the window and it's empty. It's everything in that house is gone, gone. 
it is done. It's like empty, completely empty. Like there's nothing there, nothing. Um, so he clearly had moved out. No idea where he is. I don't know where he's living. I have no idea, no clue. So that happened, which was very confusing to me at that moment, that point in time, but it got cleared up. So I took that sign back and the lady that was working there, she informed me that he was um, up where he came from and was with his wife and they were selling their condo up there. Uh, she had a job here and that they were, um, that she was moving here permanently, that they had a house here and all kinds of stuff uh, that I didn't know anything about at all. Everyone, for the most part, knew who you were. Was this a new person working at the store so she didn't know? Because that's a lot of information that she would know about her boss. So she must have been new, I'm assuming. No, she been there for a while. So like when he and I broke up in April, I quit going to the store. So he did not have free labor anymore. So he hired this woman um, to work and do what I was doing, basically. And how, what was your reaction to her when she's like, told you about the wife? Were you like, on fire? Did you keep your shit together? Or were you just like, I don't even know what to say. Not, not one of my finer moments. <laughs> like, Did you put Tiger? I was like, are you fucking kidding me right now? Just. And I was so like, just stunned with everything she was saying to me that it honestly, like, it wasn't until I had really left the store, driven away, I was going to get dinner and, um, it just like hit me like how much deception and, um, how much he had kept from me and just all how it blew my mind at that point, thinking about how he kept so many balls in the air and kept track of everything that he had said and everything that he promised and everything that he um, said he was going to do and all that good stuff. It, it just like, it kind of was mind blowing. Yep. Ted was still married. They were married. She did not divorce him like Ted told Anna. Instead, it was Ted's wife who gave him money to open up the store. She even helped him with his rent and bought his truck for him. And that's when it all became clear. Ted had broken up with Anna because he had to. His wife was moving there and he could not keep them apart. It would be impossible. She was wealthy and she had a six-figure job and Ted needed money. Anna stated that she had no money at all. So upon her further reflection, Ted did not need her broke ass. His wife had money. He needed his wife to float him. Needless to say, she was beyond pissed. Super upset at the position that Ted had placed her in. And she was broken. She just often thought like, how did she miss this? How could his wife have come to visit for a week at a time more than once that summer and Anna had no suspicion whatsoever? Was Anna blinded by him or was Ted that good of a liar? Well, as it turns out, a little bit of both. As soon as Anna left the store, she sent Ted a text telling him that she knew everything. She told him to not even bother trying to lie his way out through this one. Ted did not respond. So, okay, so remind me, were you guys still hanging out here and there 
kind of hooking up here and there during this breakup or was that the one previous? During this breakup, no. Okay, so when you would go to his home and visit him, did you ever have things there, any of your personal belongings to where the wife would have ever seen any of your things and questioned him? I believe that she did see some of my stuff there and he just like, he would say that it was stuff that he was waiting to sell or things like that, yeah. But when she did find out about not necessarily me, but just like he was seeing somebody, she didn't have any idea that it was me. Like I had some like photo albums and stuff over there and she found them and she ripped them up. Yeah. But I didn't go to his house hardly at all. He, he always wanted to come to my place. Only one time that I noticed something weird. It was like I, I was using his shower one day and there was like shampoo for blonde hair, dyed blonde hair. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Ding, 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 ding. So how did you ultimately find out that his wife had been giving him money to open the store to support his lifestyle? la di da da All that stuff. When there was like the grand opening of the store, um, and they did it like months later from when he opened it, um, there was pictures in the newspaper and stuff, and she was in the pictures. And I asked him, I was like, <laughs> you know, what did she do to help you to be standing next to you? You know, I'm the one that was working all the time and hauling crap and doing stuff like that. And he's like, well, she's the one who financed it all. In hindsight, I wish I would have said something to her. I wish I would have told her. But honestly, I was just like trying to figure myself out and my life out and figure out what my next steps were going to be and how I was going to function and what I was going to do. And I just, honestly, I just felt bad for her that she was, that she had blown her whole life up and had come all the way here and um, moved here for him, you know? And I also thought maybe that maybe he meant it. Maybe he meant that he wanted to be with her. Maybe he meant that he wanted to repair their marriage. Cause that's what he told me that he wanted to do. Before she knew it, Halloween had rolled around and all of a sudden, Anna had friends calling her and telling her that Ted had reactivated his social media and he was posting pictures of himself and his wife dressed as vampires handing out candy to the neighborhood kids. Anna admits that it hurt to hear that because Halloween was their favorite holiday and what they would dress up as. They even spoke about making a haunted path for the kids to come to get their candy. So, needless to say, Anna was in melancholy state of mind that night. She often wonders, looking back now, do men like Ted have a second sense of that? Do they have a way of knowing when us women are weak and missing them? Because, of course, that night... Ted sends Anna a text saying that he was missing her so much and that he had made a mistake and that he was thinking all evening about the plans that they had made for Halloween. Anna's reply was the screenshot of his socials with all the pictures of Ted and his wife. Gotta love that. Well, Ted was quiet for a couple of weeks, then, one Sunday morning, Ted called her from the bathroom of the church he was attending with his wife. He was literally sobbing so hard that Anna could not understand anything he was saying. Okay, and were you dating the 
the his friend that from jail anymore or like had you called that yeah, off? Yeah, we were we anymore? were talking. Like that was kind of like the catalyst, I believe, for him to contact me with the, the weeping and gnashing of teeth and the begging and pleading is that I told him about this other individual and that I was planning to go to Minnesota where he lived for Thanksgiving and, you know, meet him and see if, you know, what was going, what we were, you know, experiencing was real or whatever. And so when he found out that I was going to go to Minnesota for Thanksgiving, um, that is when he just whipped shit on me tore his car up, um, all that good stuff. Yeah. Let's talk about the church incident. So he called you hysterical from church. I remember that day really well. So much of this is fuzzy, but I do remember that when I was laying in bed and reading a book on a sunny Sunday morning and he called me. He was crying and he was um, telling me that he had made a horrible mistake and he was begging for my forgiveness and saying that, you know, he was miserable with her, miserable without me, that he um, just just kept saying how bad he messed up and how sorry he was and asking me, begging me, can you please forgive me? Can you please forgive me? And, you know, that's when I told him that if he, if he wanted to, to try back with me, then I was going to have to see, you know, divorce papers. And I was, you know, I, I needed proof that this was done, 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 done with her. And there were no promises made about if he did do it, you know, how, how things might be between us. In early November, about one month after Ted's phone call, Anna came home from work and there was Ted. His sad ass was sitting on Anna's porch waiting for her. And in Ted's hands were divorce papers. He told Anna that it was totally over with his wife and that the divorce was filed and it would be final in approximately three months. Ted begged Anna to take him back. He pledged his love for her and he told her over and over again what a horrible mistake that he had made in leaving her and that all he wanted was her. I bet you're wondering what Anna's reply was. Anna told Ted to fuck off. And this is the end of our story. Well, not really. But it should have been. Because if it had been, Anna would have been spared years of hell. But instead, Anna welcomed Ted back into her home, into her bed, and into her life again. He was sitting on my front porch with the divorce papers in his hands, but they were fake, which I found out later. Oh, shit. You got yeah. fake stuff, too. Yeah. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, oh you know, you can, go on, you can go online and you can put in, like, stuff to get divorce papers and then you can just, like fill in all the information, yeah. print it out, and it's, it looks as legal and as... Oh, yeah, real. there's even legal documents as long as it's, if it's signed, it is, that legalizes it. So if he's putting a signature or a stamp or whatever, bada bing, bada boom. Okay, so he comes, he's sitting on your porch, he's crying, he's begging you back, you're witnessing this, it's everything you've ever wanted to hear. You feel amazing, you feel special, he's worn you down. 
you end up taking them back. What do your children say? What do your parents say? How do they react? You know, my children, God love them. They are supportive of me all the time, all the time, no matter what, even whenever I'm making big mistakes <laughs> like I did then, they just wanted me to be happy. And they knew when I was uh, with him that I was happy. You know, they were worried. They were concerned, of course, because he, you know, his history wasn't great um, with how he had treated me and his uh, behaviors. My daughter was a little more reluctant because, um, you know, she was the one who was with me the most. And she's the one who saw how hard it was for me, uh, even above and beyond her brothers. And she just, you know, kind of the same deal, just, you know, proceed cautiously. My mom loved him. I mean, like, my mom loved, loved, loved him. And I did not tell my mom and my dad the truth about him until after we were divorced. I knew that it, like getting back with him and letting this happen was just dumb. Is it because of the, I don't know, the intermittent thing where like you feel like I'm going to take him back because I want to get back to that love bombing stage it, because you know that it's possible? Like, is that like why we as women sometimes just ignore or just brush aside these glaring bad things because we know like that was real that was that was special that was amazing and I know it can be like that again is that or maybe I'm totally wrong or going like down the rationalize path. we rationalize yeah. things to make it better in our head so we can go back I'm the For special sure. one yeah yeah and you know you it's almost like um childbirth you know if we really remembered all the horrific details of it we would never do it again <laughs> but yet we do uh, because mm -hmm. we do forget all the horrific details and we just remember the the beautiful parts of it. And, you know, for me, that was kind of part of that is that, you know, I just was focusing on the good things. And, you know, he swore he changed that he wasn't going to ever do that to me again. And, you know, and, and, and for a very long period of time, it was really good. Um, in my experience, you know, he was really pulling out all the stops and he was being honest and he was being you know, caring and gentle and supportive and helpful, you know, all those things that he had been uh, at the beginning. And so, you know, I thought my justification, my rationale was, you know, he just got out of prison. His life has been just complete train wreck. He's, you know, trying to figure out just what's best for him. And, you know, he needed to try to work this out. It didn't work out. So, you know, that was my rationalization. And also, one quick question before we get to the last one. Did his extreme measures, showing up and everything and crying, did that stop you from going to Minnesota for this guy and putting the kibosh on that potential relationship? Yeah. Did. So it worked. His, his, uh, desperate attempts then. So yeah, it worked. Absolutely. Worked. Yep. Completely worked. And I felt really bad because you know, I heard that other person and that wasn't cool, you know, but I have made, I have made amends to him since. So just curious, you know, at least in Washington state, um, I believe in Oregon too, you can go online, public records, marriage records, divorce records. The fact that you had caught him recently lying and that he still was married. And now that he's filed for divorce, did you ever want to follow that up and look online to see if you actually had filed for a petition of dissolution 
or even later when he supposedly act like it was finalized? Did you ever look online? Um, well, he told me that they filed in the state that they were that they had to file where they were married, which was not here. <laughs> so the divorce was filed outside of our state. So and those records in that state aren't public. Things went really well for Ann and Ted for quite a while. He actually moved in with her almost immediately. And at Christmas that year in 2013, Ted took Anna to go look at the Christmas lights. And under the twinkling lights with the Christmas music playing, Ted dropped to one knee and asked her to marry him. That's when Ted slid a stunning diamond ring on her finger and Anna was happier than she can remember being in decades. Anna had him. She had his love. She had his presence. And she had his body and his mind and his heart. Anna had won. We had unwrapped all the presents and I was, you know, hopeful that like there would be something under the tree, but there wasn't. So I was kind of like bombed. But then he said, you know, let's go drive around and go look at Christmas lights. And so we did. And like there was a big light display that you could walk through. And so we were walking through it and, you know, underneath the Christmas lights and stuff, he literally dropped down on one knee and um, and proposed. And, you know, it's a beautiful ring, um, beautiful moment. Just, you know, everything your romantic heart could desire, he did. Oh, my gosh. And you had no qualms. You were just yes, yes, yes. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, absolutely. No, oh my God. no question about it. At this time, was his I hate the government subsiding a little bit in his moodiness? It was. He was getting, yes, at that time, yes. He was kind of had it a little bit better under control, but, you know, it all, it was still there and it came back multiple times throughout the years. But at that point in time, he was on his best behavior. And showing, trying to show me that he had changed, that he had been working on himself. He said he'd been going to therapy, doing all this, these things that I told him that I needed him to do. Um, he was doing them, or so I thought. So, yeah, I, I just was, you know, I was all in. And what did the ring look like? It's so important, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> we'll talk I, about this ring later. Yeah. <laughs> the ring is very pivotal. <laughs> right? <laughs> So it had like the center stone was probably maybe a, a, a carrot, maybe a little less. And then it had like four little diamonds on either side. And then the band was just a solid band of diamonds. It was beautiful. Something you've said in this next portion of the story that I think will resonate with a lot of our listeners, including Amber and I, even though you've been through so much bullshit with this person deep down, you know, how toxic it probably is, but you still have this sense of winning. So can you explain how you felt back then? And then can you break that down to explain how that was actually an unhealthy way of thinking? Yeah. I mean, if you, yeah, it's such an unhealthy way to think about accepting a marriage proposal and, um, planning in doing so to spend the rest of your life with this individual if you know what i mean like if you're if you're like haha i won i i had to beat somebody out to be with this individual i mean that is fucked up 
You know, I mean, that's like those reality TV shows, right? Yes. They're all fighting. Like I could never do that. The bachelor, I'd be, I'd be that crazy woman crying in the bathroom. Like, Oh, I can't do this. I just yeah, can't. No. To me, like your proposal felt like a fairy tale in the sense I would want my marriage to feel like that. Clearly, I married a Brandon, so that didn't happen with him. But yeah, you want you want to feel like they choose you. You've always been chosen. You're number one, and so that was his thing. I choose you over Barbie doll too. Over Barbie doll. He told that me would that make my too. ego be like. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Looks aren't everything, so you know, there I got something he wants. I don't know, but um, yeah, you know, there was that feeling of, you know, I'm 15 years older than her and all that stuff. But he chose me. He picked me, and that was um, very intoxicating. And he, and like I said, he said that I choose you. Like, you know, it's (laughs) good. So messed up, just so messed up, yeah. And of course, looking back on that whole situation now, I understand because he did it to me at the end of our marriage, I understand now that, you know, she was probably spinning out and she was holding him accountable and she was not happy and she was, you know, trying to express to him how his behavior impacted her negatively. And then here I was over here that was just so happy whenever he came over and I was so grateful. and always you know had a smile on my face and uh was always so excited to see him and everything and uh and you know toward the whenever everything blew up in in our marriage he actually said that to me about the other woman in our situation she's always excited to see me and i said of course she is because she's not picking up your disgusting underwear she's not having to listen to you fart and burp she's not having to wake up to your smelly mouth because you don't take you don't brush your teeth. You know what I mean? It's just like, yeah, oh, yeah he's fun, Bobby. He's Disneyland dad. How, yeah. you know, and it's kind of like, how does the wife win over that kind of competition? In your profession, do they call it anything? Because if not, I think we need to trademark this bitch and uh, yeah, right. put a label on it because it is a something. Is it a Disneyland narcissist, a Disneyland boyfriend, a something? Because I think it's, or is it just, it's yeah, and it's because they're looking for a new supply of, of, adoration and you know if when you say it was anna i didn't hear what she said it's a what it's just textbook narcissism oh just textbook narcissism okay (laughs) npd it's just what they did like they think they're so special and wonderful and um so much you know above everybody else but you know it's just like no you you're just like every other narc on the planet because it's the exact same cycle it's the exact same pattern the same behaviors you just do it again and again and again and again and again well, and, right. And the thing too also is like they, like you said, it's, it keeps happening because, you know, the wife, you know, Athena kicks into the curb. I'm the new supply. I'm like, oh, yay, yay, until it's not yay anymore. And then I'm like, fuck that shit. Then he moves on to the next person and she's like, oh, you're so great until it's not. So they just keep getting a new supply of women until they start realizing, oh, this is not as good as what he's painting himself out to be. Like the newlywed phase. Yes. Over and on repeat, like Groundhog's Day with the new person. Each person thinks that they're the special one and he's not going to treat me like that. And so they stick it out for as long as they can until they can't anymore. And it sucks because you sense it. You can tell when they start drifting from you or they're not as attracted to the banter and the playfulness it's like i know you must be up to something 
this sucks. And here I did this to myself again. Worst the other ever. thing that they do to like manipulate you and well, whoever the, uh, the new supply, how they manipulate the new supply is they will tell that new supply all the things that their wife is doing that, that they hate. Like she's a bitch and she doesn't fix her hair and she doesn't do her nails and you know, all like he'll, they'll tell them all this stuff about you. Uh, maybe it's true, maybe it's not, but then they're hearing this and they're understanding, oh, these are the things he doesn't like, so I'm not going to do those things, or I'm going to do the opposite. Oh my God. Yes. That's such a good point. Cause remember he kept saying Athena was a gold digger. Yeah. And so I'd be like, oh, I don't want to be that. And they're so mirroring. I would, yes. I would like thing about me that was actually him. Yes. But then I would come in as the new person going, oh God, I don't want him to think I'm a gold digger. Here's oh. half my paycheck. <laughs> and I would never ask for anything because oh. I didn't want him to think I was a gold digger too. And so, I remember being so stressed about being broke and I didn't have any money and he didn't help me with anything. And my mom's like, well, he's your partner. He needs to yeah. help pay for stuff. You, you know, and I'm like, no, but I don't want to be a gold digger. Cause you probably he want to speak up. Yes. Right. He put that yeah. in my head that you were like that, which you oh. weren't, but he put that in my head. So I was like, Oh, I don't want to do that. You know? Yeah. Evil. So, isn't that so terrible? Manipulate into that. And so, you know, like he, would say to me about her like uh, the his ex like you know oh she just couldn't get over it and she was angry and I can't stand being angry and I feel like can't stand the anger in the house or the energy in the house and so of course I was just like little miss positive and everything was great and I never got mad at fairies and sunshine uh, yeah. yeah skittles and rainbows and unicorns yep <laughs> That's oh a really good point to, to bring oh, up. Oh, this is going to hit home for so many people. So many because I don't even going to right, and because I don't think that I knew that that's what I was doing subconsciously. Like, you he know, was grooming you. He was yeah, grooming you. but you don't really know it's happening. No, other no. than like that. Well, that's not me. Two thousand and fourteen proved to have its ups and downs. There were issues for sure. Ted's rage was very present. The store was struggling and Ted was stressed with money. Often, Anna felt like he regretted leaving his wife and that he wished he was with her so that he would not have the financial pressures that they had. Ted's rage at the government grew as well as his hatred for God. He felt God hated him and that God was punishing him for his past. In fact, he felt that God had specifically targeted him. He starts shutting down the store, which I'm curious, like it was doing so well. So why was it struggling? What changed? Well, I, I think what changed was how, how, how much hard, hard, hard work it was. It was hard work. It was physical work. It was mental work. It was, you know, keeping track of all the books. It was keeping track of the inventory, all of that stuff. And it just kind of reached a point where I think for him, it just was too hard to do anymore. He also, uh, in this cycle, in this time frame, he got a job, like a job job. That was a good job. And so, you know, he got that job. So combined with everything else, he just decided to shut the shop down. Now, was he contributing to your rent, utilities, food, grocery, all that good stuff? Um, Some. A little. Ted's childhood was not good. His father was extremely violent, specifically with his mother and his younger brother. And Ted was beaten, just not as badly. 
Ted's father broke his brother's arm and he beat his mother so severely that he was charged with domestic violence and went to jail for a short time. And this was in the 80s when it was very hard to make charges like that stick. So you really know that the abuse was extreme. Ted's father also suspected that Ted's brother was not his child. And as such, he was the constant target. His brother grew up to have several mental illnesses and is actually now homeless. Ted's mother went on to divorce his father and remarry six more times. His life lacked safety and stability, and it lacked love. In this next section, you really break down Ted's family life, his adolescence, things like that. Um, do you feel like you were excusing his behavior at times because of things that had happened to him by his parents in his adolescence? You know, being a therapist, especially specializing in trauma, childhood trauma, all that kind of good stuff. Um, you know, very aware of the impact of childhood trauma, neglect, abuse, abandonment, all those things have on the developing psyche. In fact, there's studies about narcissism that show that um, people who have narcissistic personality disorder um, usually it is rooted in their childhood and it's from one of two things either it was from incredible neglect or it was because they were the golden child and couldn't do anything wrong his dad was like 52 or 53 when he died and he he died of brain cancer prior to his death he had been a very abusive man verbally abusive physically abusive you know uh, ted saw him beat his mom almost to death more than one time and his mom um, she didn't really help matters much from what I understand you know she kind of goaded the dad but that is the cycle of, of violence and the cycle of abuse is a lot of times with the abuse cycle you you know they they beat you they hurt you they harm you then there's the little bit of the lull in the honeymoon period and then the tension starts to build again so oftentimes women will incite their abuser to abuse just so they can get it over with and get back into the happy part of the cycle and so I, I really kind of feel like that's what his mom did a lot of the time was try to um, just kind of push that part of the cycle but um, it was a really hard upbringing he was also he is dyslexic and learning disabled and so you know his dad called him stupid and that he, he was a dummy and that he was never going to be able to do anything or amount to anything or be anything and you know in high school he was a very successful athlete in in many many sports he lettered in many many sports and so you know he did that to get his dad's approval um which he never did the reason he went to law school was to get his dad's approval which he never did it was one of those deals where from the outside looking in you would think that they were just this beautiful family um they were well off you know he you know, he had the nicest cars and the nicest clothes and, you know, a nice house that they lived in. Um, but what was going on behind those doors was really bad. I have a question because, you know, Ben, our, our Ben, um, he also had a pretty, you know, traumatic childhood and had issues, which made me always feel like, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And as like an empathetic person, um, it, I remember just thinking like, I'm so sorry you went through that. Like, let me help you get over some of these things, not realizing that I'm dealing with a person with 
a personality disorder, I remember just feeling like I don't, I want to be his support system and I want to help him get through some of this stuff. I don't want to abandon him. I want to turn things around. Like, is that how we kind of get sucked in to this gross, sick pattern of behavior? Because what happened to Ted really happened. Like you, it's, it was the truth. He is telling you the truth. I went through these things and knowing as a psychotherapist, what, how you end up with NPD and other things. Like, how do you not feel bad for this person and try to fix them or help them? I mean, it definitely played on me, you know, without a doubt. Cause I was like, well, you know, I can fix you. I'll just, if I love him enough, if I give him enough attention, if I make him, um, my whole wide world and then he'll feel loved and he'll know that he's worthy of love and that he's valuable um, and that he's important, all those kinds of things, um, which of course just fed right into his whole deal. You know, he, at the, toward the end of our marriage, one of the things that he screamed at me was, you know, I married you because you were a therapist and I thought you were going to fix me. You can't fix someone like that. You just can't, you know, It's so much bigger and broader than what one person is capable of. And I don't think I understood that. I'm sure Athena didn't and anyone else, you know, can fathom, you know, when someone's hurt in their brain, takes a lot more than just love to fix it. Yeah, it does. That is the truth. We're just too damn nice, I think, sometimes. Well, and they, they, they deliberately target people that are kind and, um, you know, empathetic and loving and giving of themselves. Yeah. In the process of trying to love someone out of their emotional problems, you're destroying yourself. Yeah. For sure. And your own psychological well-being. And I don't think you really realize that until after you're over the hump and away from it. Then you realize what you did to yourself while you're trying to help someone. Yeah. Ted married for the first time when he was 23. Next, his daughter was born shortly after. And then shortly after this, Ted decided being a dad was not for him. At this time, he was in law school and working nights. And life was very stressful for him. And he did not have the tools to cope with maturity. Ted divorced his wife at 26 He then moved to Texas because his father was diagnosed with glioblastoma, a fatal and incurable brain tumor. And while in Texas, Ted met his next long-term partner, and he was with her for several years. After Ted's father had passed away, Ted decided to stay in Texas. Ted's girlfriend never married him because she was smart. She worked for an extremely wealthy oil baron, and had many perks of her job that Ted was able to enjoy as well, such as sailing on a catamaran in the Caribbean for a month. They were together about five years until a cute redhead caught Ted's eye when walking his dogs. And within three months, Ted had left his girlfriend and moved in with the redhead. It is important to note that Ted never, ever lived in a home he was paying for. His entire life, someone else had paid for his living space. Ted also has never lived alone. Ted married that redhead on a beach in Hawaii, and they were together until she fell ill. 
His wife had surgery that went very bad. She became septic and was close to death. Because of that, his wife became depressed and then addicted to pain pills. During this time, Ted had been teaching at a local college. But shortly thereafter, he got an offer from an employer in Florida and he left and took the job. Ted's wife believed that she would be joining him once she had sold her house and transferred her job. And while Ted's wife was busy organizing everything for the big move, Ted met another woman who would then become his third wife and the wife before Anna. The knowledge you have of Ted's prior relationships was obviously shared with you directly by Ted. So were you ever able to confirm that any of these stories were even true, like the sickly drug-addicted ex-wife, Ted sailing to the Caribbean with a long-term girlfriend who worked for the very wealthy oil baron? Because at the time, I know you were saying you just found out stuff recently. I feel like that happened to Amber and I. Things that you wouldn't even second guess, but then much later found out it was all a crock. And you're just like, what? Why? Did you ever know if any of these things to be true about the exes? You know, all I had was what he said. He did, like, pull up the one with the oil, that worked for the oil baron dude. She married him. And so, you know, I did, he pulled up, like, the stuff from their wedding and, you know, that that this guy's, like, super, super, super wealthy, like, beyond wealthy. And she did and en- en- end up marrying him. Did you ever feel like he was following in his mom's footsteps when you were seeing the repeat marriages and you were number oh. four? Oh, yeah. oh, now he's been married once after that, so five times, right? Yeah, he's 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 been married now five times. Oh, so he's yeah. like he's catching up to mom. To his yes, I I believe before he's done, he probably will catch up or surpass her without a doubt. But he's getting ugly <sighs> and old, so I don't know who who will who will want him. But I'm sure somebody is going to be out there for him at some point in time. Like, he would make fun of his mom for being married that many times and call her names and make inferences and you know but here he is doing the exact same thing just repeating the same pattern um as his mom's relationships now this last marriage that she's she has they've been married a really long time and um he's a really good man and she really does love him but she's also like i don't know 80 something so eventually you just get tired yeah i was gonna say that too tired to like keep doing it so that mischievous yeah. yeah to like break up or cheat or even file for divorce you're probably too tired The legal issues that arose from Ted's lawsuit and the subsequent trial happened about a year after this. One reason he was so angry at God was because Ted had prayed and begged God to deliver him from the charges that he was facing. And instead, Ted was convicted and then incarcerated. And of course, once again, Ted believed that, you know, this was everyone else's fault but his own. Ted is the one that broke the law, and the justice system doing what it had designed to do did exactly that. But Ted's rage at the government and the FBI and the law enforcement arose from all of this. Ted blamed everyone else but himself for his life path and his missteps. Can you explain to our listeners the psychology behind Ted's narcissistic thought process? Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, it's just the belief was funny too because you know, toward the end, um, I I knew the one jab I could get him with was "You're not special." 
because he believed that he was special and he believed that he was like different from everybody else and um, more worthy, more valuable than other people um, and that other people should um, just fall in line with whatever it is that he wanted them to do or say or be. And a lot of that thought process just does come from, you know, for, for him, like growing up, he was more of the golden child because like his dad never put a hand on him or anything like that. So I kind of feel like that was more his deal. But yeah, he, he, you know, he never took responsibility for anything. It was always someone else who was jealous of what he had and wanted what he had. And so they were, um, you know, creating these situations, creating these problems, um, targeting him, that kind of thing. Um, and that is a very, very typical thought process for someone who is with narcissistic, not even tendencies, but just personality disordered. Ted's rage would pop up at weird times and in weird ways. Anna can't exactly remember what triggered this particular fit, but one time Ted became so enraged that Ted found every single Bible in their home and ripped them up while screaming the entire time. Anna had bought Ted a cross necklace, which he also proceeded to rip from his neck and throw at her. Ted did not care at all how she felt or how his actions impacted others. Um, but this little restaurant was just right up the street and we were going to walk over there and, um, you know, I told him, let's not do that. And he's like, no, we're going to go to the back of the restaurant because that's what we said we were going to do. God damn it. And so I'm just like, oh, this is going to be bad. And it was, you know, lots of families went to this place because it was kind of a hamburger place type thing. And um, we were sitting outside and there was a lot of people around and families, little kids. And, and um, this was when the police officer stopped at the stop sign or stoplight, like right outside the restaurant. And so the police car was just, you know, right there. And he went just nuts, crazy screaming about the police. And he hoped that motherfucker got killed in the line of duty, that it would serve his wife and children right. And he hoped that they, you know, were, were devastated and broken and, yeah, and he was like cursing and screaming and I'm surprised they didn't kick us out of that place. And I just kind of sat there silent because once he gets, once they get started on that, you, there's nothing you can say. There's nothing you can say to stop them. Were you thinking, oh shit, maybe it's not a good time to get married? Was there hesitation on whether you should move forward? Seeing these kind of really horrible behaviors happening? Well, no, no. <laughs> <I wouldn't. laughs> keep charging through. <laughs> just keep on going because, you know, once we got You're married, not a quitter. No. <laughs> Let's do this. <laughs> I'm going to go to the finish line, God damn it. That's right. <laughs> Me too, man. Welcome to the club. <laughs> Again, you know, I was like, you know, he has a right to be angry and, you know, I understand and maybe I can help him learn how to manage his anger in a more healthy way and blah, blah, blah. Um, so, you know, a lot of justification, a lot of, I don't know exactly how to word it. Just, I just justified his behavior, you know, and then I started to modify my behavior and the plans that I would make to avoid any situations that I felt like could possibly be a trigger for him. During this period, Ted and Anna moved into a little house with a huge front porch. Anna is a nester and she made sure that the little house was cozy, clean, 
and comfortable for Ted at all times. Her mission was to make life as easy as possible for him. Anna was also a very nurturing person, and Ted was a black hole of need. Endless need. And every night, Anna would read to Ted, rub his back, and rub coconut oil into his scalp. She babied him, and he loved it. Ted also asked Anna if he could call her mama, and he wanted her to call him her baby. So that's not weird or anything. Yeah, that was messed up too. I mean, you know, but again, I'm like, you know, my therapy brain, and I'm like, well, you know, part of this is just like reparenting. I'm just like reparenting him with um, a healthy attachment style. Jesus, that was fun. And was there breastfeeding? No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go into real creepy territory right about now. We've already no, talked think- about jail and boyfriends and now we're going into mommy <laughs> i really think that i probably would have drawn a lot there i would have been like yeah no the I, strap I on you... that you could fill up with the milk that would have been oh, <laughs> you have found the limit that, that would be it. i've like, heard that before oh. thank you i think that's a compliment <laughs> that would be the limit right there yeah i mean so like i think, think it kind of started like the nurturing part just really started before he even went to jail because, you know, the night before he went to prison, you know, I petted his head and I read him books like The Giving Tree and sang him songs and stuff. And so when he came home, he he wanted me to continue that. And so I did. I mean, I, I, I liked doing it. You know, I liked that connection with him and I liked nurturing him and I liked comforting him and, and, and loving him in that way. It just kind of felt. I don't want to say natural, but it just, it did. It kind of just felt natural to nurture him in that way. Cause I knew that he didn't get that, you know, growing up. And to me, it felt natural that he would want that, um, from the, the, the love figure in his life. Um, but yeah, so, you know, he loved books and he loved stories and things like that, but he was dyslexic. So reading was really hard for him. So I read to him every night, um, usually with his head in my lap and, me petting his hair and rubbing coconut oil on his head and rubbing his shoulders and, you know, singing him to sleep like you do a baby. <laughs> I want to be your girlfriend. I mean, damn, I he was spoiled rotten. Yeah, I'm jelly. <laughs> I he, mean, he was. I, I treated him incredibly well. I yeah. mean, you were an amazing well, girlfriend and wife. He's an idiot. That's probably yeah, makes it all the more harder to when they you end up being deceived so horribly and all you can think of is i did everything for you i did everything more than most people and it hurts even worse like how could i have given any more honestly that's really how it got toward the end of the marriage it just felt like he was just this endless sucking black hole of need and that there was never going to be enough that I could give him. There was never going to be enough of me that I could draw from, um, you know? And so I quit. And when I quit, I didn't quit completely doing all of that. But when I pulled back from it and started maybe taking care of myself a little bit, that's whenever he immediately went out and had an affair. So, 
he showed me. And right? it's your fault, right? It's yeah. your fault he had an affair because you weren't giving me what I needed. Blech. Yeah, he told me he didn't think I loved him anymore because I wasn't, you know, basically sacrificing myself on the altar of his. I love how they flip it. Weird <laughs> needs. But, you know, yeah, I did all of that because I, I enjoyed it and I wanted to. You know, I didn't do it because I was trying to keep him or, you know, any of that. I, I did that because I liked taking care of him. I loved him. In September of 2014, Anna and Ted were officially married. Anna was his fourth wife. And he had cheated on every single woman he had ever been with. But she was different. Because they did not know how to take care of Ted. They were selfish and they did not meet his needs. Ted would never cheat on Anna because in her, he had found everything that he had wanted in a woman and more. And let's face it, Anna is not alone with this. I mean, so many of us have had this stupid thought process. So now Anna knows. Next week on The X-Files. Ted's on the news. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they're, they're saying there's a, a criminal investigation going on. That's when, I guess it was like two or three days later, that he told me that the engagement ring that he gave me wasn't actually his to give me. Our wedding license is all three men that signed that wedding license, with the exception of the pastor, were felons. <laughs> oh, my God trying to get me off kilter because if he got me off kilter then he could better control what was going on he would become whoever he was around dale was his boss he had a strange focus on me he came home one night from a game that he had gone to with dale and told me that dale had offered him a thousand dollars if i would sleep with him Hey X-Fans, if you haven't quite got your full fix of X-Wives Thundercover or the X-Files, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and join our Facebook group. Make sure to also follow us on Instagram and TikTok. And if you like what you're hearing, don't forget to leave us a five-star review.